killed everyone. My name is uh, Spanky Moore, and I'm uh, here in Fakatu Nelson. I have been in Otatahi Christchurch, but moved here a few months ago. And um, hey, it's a great privilege, pleasure to be with you this morning. I have, um, you know, we, like you, are in lockdown. I know we won't be as long and as hard as you will be. Um, but we're in lockdown here, so I've found the only room in my house where I can escape from momentarily from my three small children. Um, I've barricaded myself in using this mattress against the door, so the odds are they can't get to me, but if they do, pray for me, please. Uh, but you'll probably hear them screaming every now and then, but just ignore it, because I'm going to keep on rolling on. And, um, hey, I hope you're doing all right. Um, I'm sure there's been plenty of challenges uh, in your week, um, like um, like I have experienced in mine, and um, know that uh, everyone in Auckland is in our prayers, as we know, um, it'll be some challenging times ahead. Uh, this morning, you'd asked me a few months ago if I'd come up and um, speak in your discipleship series, and I said, well, I have got a singular issue, a singular thing that I'd love to share with you, that in all my experience, you know, discipleship something I'm incredibly passionate about, I've dedicated quite a lot of my life to exploring it and working with people and trying to understand formation and discipleship, and um, I said, look, there is this singular thing that I just think has been so important, it's been important to my life, it's been important to lots of the people I've worked with lives, and I, I think of it sort of as the hinge that swings the door, by that I mean it's a little idea that can actually get people really moving into um, discipleship. So that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Look, it's it's a simple idea that actually is, is a, most people find difficult to grasp, but once you can grasp it, it has the potential to change everything. Now, I know that's a big pitch and it's a big call, but I've experienced that in my own life. I've, ex I've seen it in lots of other people's lives, and I think it could be the case for you. Um, this morning. So I'm not saying there's going to be an easy thing to get your head around. Um, maybe even by the end of my talk, you'll still be like, what was he quite getting at? But if you stay with it, um, gradually, you'll start to wrap your head around it. And I do think it can be um, really quite revolutionary for you in the way that you follow Jesus and experience God at work in your life. So let's get started. Can you recall a moment in your life when you felt with absolute clarity God speaking to you? Um, you know, these big moments, sometimes we think of them as mountaintop moments. Um, uh, I think most Christians I speak to, they can kind of identify one or two or three of these moments in their life um, when something it feels like kind of other than them um, uh, was speaking. And, and I mean, for me, uh, there was a um, one that occurred not that long ago, six months ago. I got off the phone from my dad who had sore knees and his dog had died and I realized he was aging. But actually, as soon as I got off the phone, there was a sense of something other than me saying, my boy, it's time to go home. And I was surprised to hear that because it wasn't really on my agenda. I had a life in Christchurch. I had a community I was looking after. But there was this real sense that actually of God saying, it's time to get back to your tūranga waiwai. Now's the time to go. And I had this deep conviction, which surprised my wife. She said, God, you've got a lot of conviction over this. Clearly, I don't normally have much conviction. And so we, we moved our life here to Nelson. Um, as soon as we arrived, my dad's health took a very bad turn. In fact, he's been in ICU in Wellington under lockdown um, after having significant heart surgery. It's been quite a concerning time. But the whole time, there's been the sense of peace that actually we, we, that God spoke really clearly in this kind of unique way and that we obeyed and that we moved. But that's not, like, I think most Christians identify a few of those moments, but unless you're a prophet, and there's a few of those out there who can discover God in everything, they discover God in the ham and their sandwich, most 
Most of us, um, those are not common occasions. They're slightly rarer occasions that God speaks with real clarity. And most Christians I know, though, they want to know how to hear more God, God more clearly in their life. They want to know God's will for their life. They want they they want they want to be able to discern what God's up to um, in their life. Um, and so um, let me piece a few things together here. You know, Christians um, believe in the thing called the Holy Spirit, or a person rather than a thing, sorry, person called the Holy Spirit, and that we believe that the Spirit is at work in our lives, um, redeeming, transforming us, and in the world, drawing us into mission and preparing things before we even get there. John 14, Jesus says this, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Spirit that's there, teaching, nurturing, comforting, but at work, transforming, guiding us, right? So that's what Jesus said, and that's what the Holy Spirit, Jesus said it, I say it too. Um and my, one of the ways I kind of put discipleship is at the heart of it, that discipleship is about the process of Jesus gradually becoming Lord over all of our life, all of your life, all of my life, and where we experience transformation as that happens. You know, it's like that Jesus, like our life is a mansion and that Jesus wants to move uh, from the few rooms that we've sort of locked him in and he wants to have influence and be Lord over all of our life. And discipleship's that process of him getting into all of our life and transforming the interior design of, of, of our life. So can I suggest that a key to discipleship, if we're serious about being disciples of Jesus, a key to it is how we begin to be attentive to God's promptings and to the Spirit's promptings and voice in our everyday life, not just these special occasions, which are important and wonderful and great and life-changing, but in our everyday life. But how do we do that? I think most Christians I meet aren't sure how to become attentive to God in their everyday life. How do we begin to recognize God's voice in our life? So I'm going to share with you a big thing, the big thing, the thing that I found incredibly helpful in this challenge, and I've seen other people find very helpful. And to help me, I've asked Edith, my eldest daughter, who's seven. She's my, the creative director on the sermon. And since I don't have any PowerPoints, I got her to work today drawing some pictures. Now, this has became very controversial. She's a perfectionist. She said these drawings were too horrible to show and that I wasn't allowed to show you them, which I see, I agreed that I wouldn't show them to you, and I lied. Isn't that terrible? Because they're too good. They're too adorable. I love them. I did have to finish some of them. But these came at great cost, so I hope you enjoy these pictures. Anyway, new, the New Testament in the Bible, written primarily in Greek, um, uh, that there are two Greek words that are used for time. So depending for time, as in time, the word, T-I-M-E. There are two Greek words that are used for time, depending on the context of the passage. And the first one that you'll see is chronos, the Greek word chronos for time, which just means TikTok time. Not TikTok, the social media platform. TikTok, like the time on your watch. It's two o'clock, it's three o'clock, it's four o'clock, it's time for dinner. It's time. It's time to go, right? So time. Straight down the line time. But there's another word for time, or there's another there's another Greek word that is also said used as time in English, which means which means something quite different than that. And that is rather than chronos, which is TikTok time, it is the word kairos. 
And Kairos is a bit more difficult to get your head around, but it's a bit more important than TikTok time. So um, I'll, I'll read you out um, the definition of Kairos and I'll keep on going and I hope that you begin to grasp the beginning of it before I finish. Kairos is a time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action, the opportune and decisive moment. So a Kairos is sort of like that moment that... Um, now it's a moment that is going to burst forth, a bit like yeast in the dough. It's going to, it's this moment when it's going to sort of, uh, things are going to start to get moving. It's the opportune time. It's the ideal time for something to happen. And look, a good example of this um, comes from us in Mark 1.15. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he said this, and this is Kairos time. He said, the time has come, or the Kairos has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is not TikTok time. So it wasn't that the time has come like, oh gosh, oh Jesus, oh gosh, is that the time? It's 7.15, the kingdom of God has arrived just now. No, he's saying that um, the opportune moment has come. This moment that's going to kind of unfold and, and that the kingdom of God is going to begin unfurling. The opportune time has come. The conditions are right where this thing is beginning to unfold. That's what a kairos is about. And so I want you, this is the big idea I want to introduce to you, is that I have experienced in terms of my daily life and in terms of discipleship, my, my, my life and in others, that it's very helpful to think of Kairos moments, that in fact there are Kairos moments in our everyday life where there is an opportunity or a moment where perhaps everything could change because the time is right. A Kairos moment is where God breaks into your circumstances with an event or a moment or an experience um, uh, where you begin to sense that God is is up to something. God is in fact trying trying to is inviting you to do something. Two passages I love that kind of I think kind of speak to me about Kairos moments. Um, Isaiah forty three, where it says, "See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland." And I love that. See. I see I'm doing a new thing, but can't you perceive it? And a Kairos moment is about our ability to perceive where God is beginning to get to work in our life or wanting to get to work in our life. And that God wants to come into your life, into your daily life, and to, to, to take moments and to actually say, let's do something, there's something here. Let's do something with this moment. Um, I'm trying to speak to you through this moment. And I want to make a, a stream through 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 your wasteland of your life. I want to bring bring new life. Another passage I'd love, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And a Kairos moment is a way that we begin to articulate in our life those aspects where God is saying, that old part of you... I I want to put that part to death and this is the thing I want to resurrect. The old has come and the new is here and that that happens in our daily life. That discipleship has to start at some point. It starts in our life. It starts on a day in our daily life. The fruits of the Spirit happen because we start to get to work. We sense that God's at work in our daily life on this one or on that one. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
And so a Kairos moment, I think, is one of the ways that I've discovered God and Spirit of God does work in our regular daily uh, lives. And Kairos moments, they can be good moments, very positive ones. They can be bad moments, miserable things. They can be big moments um, that get my uh, attention, um, uh, you know, really significant things like my dad's stuff. They can be tiny, small moments that you'd basically forget if, if they weren't drawn to your attention. They can be quick moments where some, God wants to deal with something in a kind of a sh pretty short, intentional season. And they can be these, these slow unfolding moments that are kind of like uh, they might take years to actually sort of do the outworking that God is trying to do do within us. I'll give you two two quick examples of my life. Um, I was at Le Bon's Bay, which is on Banks Peninsula in Christchurch a couple of years ago. I, I was playing with the kids on the beach and I needed to have a wee. I needed to take a wee. So there's no public toilets around. So I walked up the sandy bank and I was behind a tree having a leak. Now, this is not normally when you think God would speak to you, right? There was no worship band around. And I'm taking a leak and I look down and there was the most beautiful, precious little, I think it was a daisy. And it was just there. And its flower was just pointing to the sun. And it was just there. And I was just dumbfounded by this flower. And I had a sense of God going, and that's what worship looks like. Now, I've got issues. I used to play in a punk band. I've got lots of issues with worship music. Don't like it. Makes me feel weird, right? Feels corny, you know. I know this isn't your issue. This is my issues, right? But God was speaking to me in a positive sense about the, this is a very good Kairos, whereas he was saying, worship is that simple. About, it's about turning your face to the sun, that being God, turn your face to the sun and just being there in his life, right? And that was profound. It was a profound kairos where it was like, oh, so worship's not about guitars. It's not about, you know, corny adult contemporary music. It's about just turning your face to the sun like a flower. And that was a really profound kairos for me that redefined the bounds of worship. Right, and it really chipped away at my cynicism around worship. Uh, and a, a bad Kairos, I mostly have bad Kairoses. Or, you know, God trying to get my attention through things that I feel as negative. Um, is that I was, uh, I was handing over my reins in a ministry position to a new guy, and I arranged this great big meal where all of, um, uh, all of the young adults I've worked with came. And um, I experienced him sharing some thoughts, and some of them I didn't agree with. And I also, but the other thing is, I experienced the young adults warming to him and actually really starting to like him and listen to his opinion. And I started to feel really dark about the guy. I started to feel, I don't know, I was really like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. I thought I've made a big mistake by putting, by seeing him in this role. And, um, I realized this was a kairos, which had nothing to do with the guy. It was to do with my need, my absolute need, to be the center of attention, to be the credible voice, to be the one that people looked up to. And that God was like, it's not about him, is it? And it's like, no, it's not. Oh, my goodness, it's not about him at all. It's about me. And God led me on this journey through what would normally be a very negative kairos where I would have just thrown all my toys out of the cot or thrown him under the bus. or And it was actually God was like, let's do some work over you've got some rejection issues and some need to be affirmed in some ways that aren't honoring to me. So let's do some work on that. So that's an example of a good kairos and a bad kairos. Um, 
and by bad, I don't mean bad. Like it's it's just a, a kairos where God is working through um, negative experiences rather than just positive experiences. That's a better way to put it. So um, let uh, oh Henry Nowen, who's famous. Um, I mean, he's just one of the legends of um, kind of Christian writing. God, he's so good. He's dead now, though, but he's amazing. Uh, Henry Nowen, he, in a book called Turn My Morning Into Dancing, Finding Hope in Hard Times, he has this to say about Kairos moments, and it's just very um, helpful. He says this, Time has to be converted from chronos, mere chronological time, to kairos, a New Testament Greek word that has to do with opportunity, with moments that seem ripe for their intended purpose. Then, even while life continues to seem harried, while it continues to have hard moments, we can still say something good is happening amid all of this. We get glimpses of how God might be working out his purposes in our days. Time becomes not just something to get through or to manipulate or to manage, but it becomes the arena of God's work with us. Whatever happens, good things or bad, pleasant or problematic, we look and we ask, what might God be doing here? We see the events of the day as occasions to change our heart. So, I got Edith to draw some metaphors. So here are some metaphors of Kairos, and one of these might be more helpful than just saying Kairos, Kairos, Kairos over and over. But um, here's uh, five metaphors I got her to draw. The first one I had to draw because she'd gotten upset and left the room by this point. But the first way you might want to think of a Kairos is, think of it as an invitation from God. It's like a birthday invitation. An invitation from God to pause to reflect and to grow towards his kingdom. It's an invitation to grow from God. And that actually there might be moments happening in your life where the, the idea is not just to race through them and ignore them. The idea is you've got to hit pause and say, God, what are you wanting? What are you inviting me towards in this? Another one is, I like this one. She did a rainbow for this one. Do you like that? The birds are very interesting. Um, a kairos is, another way to think of it is, is God trying to get our attention that God is um, wanting to get our attention to say, let's do some work on this. Here's, here's something that I'd love you to do some work on. Don't just keep on walking through. Let's do some work in this area. Another one, this is my favorite one probably, is we can think of a Kairos moment as, look at this, this is a pregnant woman with a baby in her tummy, but X-rated, sorry, if you've been watching the news about Nirvana. Um, but it's a moment that is pregnant with possibility. So, you know, it's one of these moments. This is the moment. There's a baby, uh, but it's pregnant with possibility. But, that you know, anyone out there who's had a baby, I've heard, um, it's actually quite difficult having a baby. It requires labor. It requires midwifery. It requires time and, and energy. Uh, and so a Kairos moment is something that actually requires birthing. Um, but it's pregnant with possibility of what the kingdom could birth in. Another way is... A kairos is a door that we can step through. It's a door that God puts in front of us. And if we choose, we can open and step through it and explore uh, what that kairos is. Or we can walk on by. We can just say, no, I'm not going to explore that today. And the last one I have is here is a kairos. Maybe you could think of it as a, where's the camera? As a seed. There's the seed. A seed that is latent with possibility, but, but that it's there. 
and that we need to water it. And if we do some work with this moment, with the seed of a moment, that something interesting might grow, something within us might grow towards the kingdom. So there you go. Those are five uh, metaphors. An invitation, God trying to get our attention, a moment that's pregnant with possibility, a door we can choose to step through, or a seed that we can choose to nurture and grow. Um, and so... A kairos can often be recognized by the impact that it leaves on you. You know, your emotions are often a great indicator of a kairos event, and it's often actually our negative experiences that produce negative emotions that offer us the greatest potential for growth. Uh, most of us find that ultimately our kairos moments lead us to this discovery that we have used someone or something as a substitute for God and that we've looked to those things to fill a void that only God could fill. And so um, kairoses can be kind of, they can be positive and negative, big and small, like I was saying. They can be a moment you cherish forever, you know, someone affirming you, um, getting married, a note, a thank you note, walking in nature, sitting on the beach, getting promoted, fulfilling your sense of vocation. But some kairoses often leave an impact because of their tragic consequences, you know, a death of a loved one or an argument, a friendship breaking up, a relationship breaking up, not being included in something, so feeling really rejected, a situation that conjures up negative or draining emotions. Now, here's why it's so great about kairos, is I've spent my life basically thinking, God speaks from the mountaintop in very positive ways. But, and, and so whenever I'd had negative experiences, I'd sought to flee them. I gotta get out of here as fast as possible, right? What I love around Kairos is, is that most of, the, most of the most profound things God speaks to me about has been in the areas where I'm most broken or most emotionally bruised or sensitive. And to discover that God wants to bring good news into that space has been amazing for me. Um, often we assume God's voice will only feel positive and that bad experiences should be avoided at all costs. But more of our memorable things are often negative things in my own life. And the great thing about Kairos is it turns those moments into redemptive moments. So our bad experiences have something to teach us and that God often wants to do something uh, in, in that, uh, in, in, in that space. Um, uh, the what does the Bible kind of say about a lifestyle of um, of learning? What is the Bible getting at when it says um, when it talks around being a disciple in all of our life? And it's interesting, right? Back to that passage from Mark one, where Jesus says, um, "The time has come; the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news." It's really interesting. See, Jesus is saying first, you've got to repent, which is kind of repenting is around. Um, Naming how things really are, which I think is about um, uh, is about acknowledging a kairos, acknowledging, yeah, God, you're right. I do have rejection issues. And then the believing is then taking action and stepping towards that and saying, and let's do something about that then. Let's deal with that. And so that the kingdom of God is sort of that, is that move in that direction. And it's this idea that Jesus extends a great opportunity to anyone who would seek to know and follow him. You know, Jesus says, the, king, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within reach. But to access it, we need to go through a process of, of, of repentance and belief, of being attentive to what God's trying to say in our life, and of belief, of stepping towards 
beginning to change that or beginning to actually be obedient to where God's leading us. So when a kairos occurs, we often need to kind of, we often, right, particularly a bad kairos, we go, how can I make sure that never happens again? But actually sometimes we, that's the wrong end of the telescope. What we should be asking is, what can I learn from that experience so that I can grow towards God in the future? Does that make sense? Rather than, that's, a lot of my bad experiences, I'm like, right, how can I never experience rejection ever again? I know, don't have any relationship relationship with anyone when God's actually saying no 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 that's not what that experience is for that experience is for you to reflect on how how can you deal with that issue so that it's redeemed uh, so that's how I want it to be and how can you step then to dealing with your rejection issues for example right or your issues with worship music for example and that's a kairos moment um, kairos is a god-given opportunities to enter into a process of learning kingdom living and, and living kingdom relationships. But kairoses usually require work to process them. I think I've walked past most kairoses in my life, most people do. We just sleepwalk through life like zombies, living an unexamined life, and we don't notice that God's trying to get our attention. Uh, but kairoses don't normally just, they're not like sort of edicts that fall from God, here's what we're supposed to do, that's not very common. They, they require us to hit pause and to explore with God and with our community what, what God is wanting to birth or within us or what God's wanting to put to death within us or what God's wanting to bring to life within us. You know, the big question for me I'm always asking in my Kairos is, what are you trying to say to me through this moment, God? What are you raising to address? Why is this, of all the moments, the one that's sticking out? And how do you want me to respond? What, is it, what does it look like for me to be obedient and step towards it? I'm sometimes so surprised by the moments God speaks to me through. They're so small and they seem so inconsequential. But God's like, that's the one I want to get your attention with. Um, Kairoses often invite us to work on our character. They invite us to deepen our trust in God, to connect our doing and our saying so that we become people of integrity, so that what we, what we say and what we do begins to line up. Kairoses invite us to lean in to uncomfortable spaces rather than to run away. So when I experience things and I go, oh, I never want to look at that again, God says, no, lean in, hit pause there's something going on here. It's uncomfortable, but I want to birth something here. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to bring some new life to you. I want to lead you towards the kingdom. But you've got to hit pause, stay with the discomfort, and see what I'm asking you to do with this. See how I'll journey with you in it. Um, it's about being attentive to these moments in our life and then responsive to where God is calling us to. It's around, you know, not just hooey but dooey, uh, not just talky but walky. You know, it's around, you, it's this totally repent and believe is around, yeah, you're thinking and you're processing what's God saying, but then you're putting into action obedience over, over what it means to step towards uh, being, uh, yeah, going where God is leading you. So that's what a kairos is. That's what a kairos moment is. And I think it's, Amazing when you get Christians together every week saying, well, what's been your big Kairos moment this week? And where they begin to explore that. And you start to get the sense of your life actually having momentum, where God's actually alive. The Spirit of God's alive in your life because stuff's actually happening. Uh, and so I just think it's been incredibly, of course, it takes discernment to work out what's your issues and what's the voice of God. And that's why we're in community and you learn these things as you go. But I just think it opens up all of your life to God doing the work that he wants to do. So I guess I wonder whether you can recall a Kairos moment in your own life now that I've put some language on it. Can you recall one? 
Um, and I wonder what Kairos moments you've been having in lockdown. I've been having so many because lockdown just makes me a mess. So I wonder if you've experienced actually some Kairos moments in lockdown. And I wonder what God is trying to get your attention about right now. What he's inviting you towards through your experiences or feelings. These particular ones that get highlighted. And how you might respond to that invitation. You know, at the end of the day, when you say, God, what was the big Kairos this today? What's the thing you're wanting to work on within me? Um, and how might I respond? So, my friends, let me pray. That's all I have for you. I hope this opens up something within you, though, as you seek to be faithful followers of Jesus in all of your life every day and you discover that God is interested in all your life and is at work in all of your life. So let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you speak. We thank you for the gift of our life and our experiences. And we thank you that within each of us, in each of our days, you're inviting us, you are birthing something within us, that there is a way that you're trying to get our attention towards something that um, that will reach us towards your kingdom. We thank you that your kingdom is there, but it does require us to be attentive to how you're inviting us in our life, and then it does require us to respond and to obey. So I ask, Lord, that all the people of St. Augustine's in this lockdown season and beyond would begin to be attentive and to really, with clarity, since these Kairos moments and the big and in the small and the good and in the not so good and that uh, you would start speaking to them as you transform their life and help them stretch and reach towards your kingdom. Thank you, Spirit, for being with us, for awakening these things within us and for being with us as we seek to, to step towards your transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.